0: Val, how's it going?
1: <laughs> Every time yeah. you say that, you half roll your eyes. You're like, "Hi, uh, uh, Val. Hey." How's it going? Um. Okay. Well, we, I want. I guess we'll just address it straight up. We're doing two back-to-back Val Chat episodes, but for kind of a special reason.
0: Well, why is that?
1: Because there's been a lot of shit mm. <laughs> that's been happening. So I feel like we need to update the people, and I feel like we both have lots of fun. Things to say, not
0: just shit, but mud.
1: Not just shit, some muds, all sorts of things. But wait, before before we even get into any of that, okay. I do want to talk about you being in a Tetris worldwide competition.
0: Ooh, can you tell us? You about sprung that? that on me.
1: Yeah, I forgot about it until just now. But oh, it's kind of iconic.
0: It is. I mean, it <laughs> iconic is a word uh, for people to who don't it. know.
1: You are a masterful lifelong Tetris player, right? That is true, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, some might say that. Um, thank you for great. gassing me up. Yeah, uh,
1: great fun fact about you. Yeah,
0: well, I I first realized that I had the skill when I was in high school. I would play Tetris in the computer lab and like a crowd would gather around me because <laughs> my hand-eye coordination is like, it's pretty, it's pretty solid, it's pretty I will solid, say. Yeah. I won a beer pong competition when I was in college and won a free trip to Europe. Whoa. I don't know if I ever told you that story either. Yeah. So my hand eye coordination is quite on point.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, I mean I've 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 dabbled in Tetris, you know. (laughs) Yeah. My friends watch your Twitch streams, I know. (laughs) So I'm like a, you know, top one percent. Top
1: one percenter. Top one percent in the world. In the world.
0: Yeah. So right now on PlayStation in classic score attack, I'm ranked eightieth in the world. Crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this happened. Have you
1: ever met other top ranked Tetris people? Like, do you guys they have, don't like, leave their hu- they don't
0: leave their houses. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, maybe not met, but like, do you know them on the internet? You guys have like a uh, Discord? yeah. There's a few
0: people actually. Like
1: master Tetris. There's players. this one
0: guy. <laughs> shout out J W Tetris, who lives in uh, Ohio. He like oh. would pop into the streams, oh. and thanks to this guy, he actually coached me to become better. So now there's been this weird side effect, which is the name of the game is Tetris effect, mm-hmm. but that's going to be the world championship game that I'm competing in. But Tetris Effect is a real thing. It was when they had these studies of people playing Tetris and when they closed their eyes later, they would see Tetraminos in their sleep. And with their eyes closed. So I've had that effect.
1: Whoa, like you're dreaming of Tetris. Yeah.
0: So now when I look at things, I see things in negative spaces where I could fit in other things. (laughs) It's very strange. That's why (laughs) Jose was talking about why I'm so specific about the spacing on our cameras and stuff.
1: Yeah. Probably, I feel like your closet must be really organized.
0: Some, some might say that. Yeah. Yeah. Do like you have like those kind well? of like very particular OCD kind of tendencies?
1: So I'm the kind of person where I'm definitely not extremely OCD, traditionally neat, but I'm not dirty. I'm, like, kind of in the middle of, like, messy, but I know where everything is in my mess, right. if that makes sense. And Definitely. I'm not, like, actually that messy. It's just more, like, things will explode, and then I'll be like, okay, I got to get it together, and I'll, like, clean it up and right. all that stuff. But, like, I know exactly where everything is most of the time. There's
0: some order to the chaos.
1: It's all in here. Okay, that's good. I can't good. train anyone else. It's all that's in here. That's
0: good. So. <laughs> well, hey, you know... uh, We have a lot to talk about. Yes. And not Tetris. I mean, we could talk about that for days.
1: Worth shouting out as far as some of the highlight events. I'll keep you on October
0: 28th at 5 a.m. Pacific. I will be competing. 5 a.m. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. And uh, well, shout out to Yate and uh, Icon Collective Music Production. You know, just having us here. Yeah. Icon Collective Music Production School. I mean, it's nice. Jose on the ones and twos.
1: Yeah, Jose, our invisible producer.
0: So we had a lot happen. Uh, obviously, we're recording this after Labor Day weekend, which is usually, I think, always like the end of festival season. I mean, obviously, it's like the end of summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sad. there's an extended bit of summer if you live in SoCal, if you mm-hmm. live in warmer regions. And trust me, just right around the corner is Halloween, which is like I a know. whole month.
1: It's it's spooky. Spooky bitch season, so <laughs> <laughs> all of us spooky gals are excited.
0: You, I know. You probably do you have multiple costumes.
1: No, not yet, but okay. I have started thinking about it. But as yeah. you know, I just emerged out of the mud, so right. I haven't really there thought There were some about spooky costumes
0: at, at Burning Man, I'm sure. <laughs> There's for sure. So some spooky usually, costume this kind of is like the end of the peak festival season. Yeah. Um, a lot of people getting back to school work otherwise, and um. Kind of wanted to do like a little bit of an audit of some of the things that we've experienced, but obviously the most two of the most immediate ones are yeah. Burning Man and Electric Zoo. Which yes, now for those of us who were in the default world, uh <laughs> just looking at what was going on,
1: yeah,
0: uh, I trust me, I'm I'm radically codependent, so I <laughs> <laughs> you're radically codependent. Actually. I I I could not survive. Um I think you could. Yeah. If I
1: can do it, I'll put it this way: for people, I mean, for anyone who knows me, they'll understand what I'm saying. But for those who don't know me, like I should give the caveat that, like, I am not the gung ho drinking the Kool Aid, burning, burning man kind of person. Like, Mm -hmm. I love it; I've been many times now. But I see it for what it is. You know, I appreciate that people have radical realizations and transformations, but like, I don't. I have a great time, but I appreciate that other people have that, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think that you, that, that qualifies you maybe for being a good person to ask kind of, well, (laughs) I've never been, I've never been to a burn, so I'm quite the layman. So I will ask you some questions about kind of what unfolded this weekend and also comparing it in relation to other burns, you know, like I saw that your post in a very vowel way because it wasn't the common narrative that you might've heard, you said this is one of the best burns Mm -hmm. that you've been to. So that was, that was different, you know, it
1: was, but I feel like anyone who, I mean, everyone knows someone who's been to Burning Man, I guess at this point, but I feel like a lot of people who went this year said similarly, that it felt like it was one of the best years. And I don't think that, I think maybe there's a small percentage of people who are saying that just despite all the crazy media backlash that happened after it rained and, you know, rumors of ebola and fish the fairy shrimp fairy shrimp spawning out of the ground obviously none of that was true yeah. um but i do think for those who are familiar with the world of burning man last year it was a really important year for the organization because it was the first real year back from covid post pandemic and it was also a really challenging year because one all the logistics of taking a few years off and then coming back was really difficult Financially, I think it's been d- difficult for any kind of event producer. And then also, the weather was really horrible last year. Like, it was so hot that people were basically dying all week long. So, this year it was like perfect weather. It did start off with some like nervousness because there was rain in the beginning, and it, it's Burning Man takes place in the desert. So, when it rains, the water just kind of like sits on top rather than like dispersing or getting soaked into the ground. So, it makes it really difficult for it to build. But once that went away, the weather was perfect all week long and everyone was really happy. I feel like we got back in our stride of like year two back from post-pandemic. And then everyone kept saying like things went too well for the first half of the week. So something had to happen. And also, I will say that for everyone being like, God, all these people went out there so unprepared. The forecast did not say it was going to rain when yeah. people left. So yeah. obviously, when you go to Burning Man, there's not that much service out there.
0: Well. There was, I mean, I, w- I was reading the Reddit, which was which difficult because you. you
1: <laughs> it's a funny place.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of, um, a lot of the posts were like gotcha posts where yeah. like the first couple paragraphs were like very straightforward. Yes. And then by the third, they were like, and then the fairy shrimp just you know, ascended from the ground. And then and you,
1: you get on a giant sand let... sea worm and <laughs> yeah. ride back so to it, land. It,
0: just like, it was like a <laughs> hidden fan fiction. Um Exactly. So that wasn't a reliable source, but a lot of people were saying that they weren't worried about the burners who had come earlier in the week because mm. they would probably be prepared for a week. Mm. But for the weekender burners, weekender only, like a lot of them were turned away, of course. Yeah. Um But then also like, Those who were only prepped for a few days would be the ones that probably weren't.
1: Yeah, and I guess we should clarify for anyone who's listening who maybe isn't up to date on the Burning Man news is that the week happened pretty normal according to plan, and then it was, I think, around Thursday evening when people started getting noticed that it was going to rain, and again, like I mentioned before, when it rains in the desert of where Burning Man happens, it sits on the ground because it's the desert, and the dust that makes up the Burning Man playa that everyone talks about turns into a sloppy mud, which I'm sure most people have seen videos of by now. And it makes it impossible for any vehicles to move around because they, one, will get stuck in the mud and also kind of ruin the uh, the geography of the area. So they ask people not to move around any vehicles or even bikes. So that's why it became such a disaster because Friday it rained for about 6 hours, which is a decent amount of rain, and it would take at least a day or maybe day and a half for it to dry, but then it rained again on Sunday. And then Burning Man typically ends on Monday. So, obviously that meant that people who were prepared to leave Sunday through Monday were probably going to get stuck for potentially 1 to 2 to 3 extra days. So, that's what ended up happening.
0: Yeah, and uh you know, a lot of so the the core essence of Burning Man is that you know they build this this mini civilization society and then yes. at the end of it you leave it almost like it was completely untouched the the original ecosystem is intact the way yeah. it was before it's supposed
1: to be yeah, yeah it's supposed to be you bring everything in you take everything out so and- were
0: they able do you think they were able to like reset the landscape to where it was because of all the no tracks and
1: i mean and again like i think There's a big portion of the population that goes that, like, adheres to the quote-unquote rules of Burning Man, right? Like, they try really hard. They pick up other people's trash even and try and, like, make it clean for everyone. But there's obviously always going to be a smaller portion of, you know, the people that we all like to talk about and we see the most. Like, the influencer crowd or the people who just kind of show up in a plane don't bring anything, have everything prepared for them and then leave and don't care to like actually help out with anything. Um, But I think even all that aside, when it started raining, there was for sure a sense of panic and people were like, like your, your shoes were literally getting stuck in the mud when you're trying to walk around and it doesn't rain often, obviously. So I think a lot of people were just fully unprepared and then also you're burnt out at the end of a whole week. So I definitely think they're going to end up finding a lot of, it's going to be like archaeology style. Like it's going to rain and then random shoes will just like come up out of the mud and like random little <laughs> like Burning Man artifacts. Yeah. But they're going to try, I'm sure it's going to take a lot longer this year to try and keep things clean.
0: So this was your, how many years have you burned? So <laughs> how many burns have you how been many, on?
1: How many years have I burned? <laughs> um, This is my third year going. Okay. Yeah. So
0: it, you're not one of those, you know, lifetime burners, but. In yeah. the three that you've gone to, have you seen an evolution of, like, the demographics or, like, the types of people? Or is has it been kind of pretty similar?
1: Like, yeah. Experience? I mean, that's a good question because, I mean, obviously, I started going in 2019, so... I'm sure many people would be like, oh, like you missed the good golden years of Burning Man or whatever, which I'm sure I did. You know, I'm sure pre phones and everything, it was even better than it is today, but also even more chaotic in many ways. (laughs) Um, So I feel like I've definitely seen like I feel like the first year going, I definitely saw a lot more of the stereotypical like people we like to roll our eyes at where it's just all about crazy fun outfits and, you know, taking all lots of photos and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of like when people come to LA and they complain about LA being a terrible place. I'm kind of like, it always exists, but it's easy to spot it and easy to understand where it happens once you get a little familiar with things. And then it's also easy enough to avoid it if you want to. Like you can participate in that and go to the places where lots of famous people like to hang out and all that stuff. Or you can just do anything else yeah there's so much other stuff to do
0: well that's a good point yeah yeah because like even in LA you know there's a certain amount of things that I do on a day-to-day but I live in the valley yeah and then recently I went to Beverly Hills uh for an appointment and I was like oh my god
1: <laughs> different place like, totally this different place sucks yeah totally. I always talk about how I don't do it much anymore but the few like you know when you go out And two a.m. hits, and all the clubs start to close, and all the bars start to close, and you just happen to be like out on the streets of like Hollywood or downtown or something, and you start to see all the different people coming out of different venues, and you go, oh my god, all these people are living in totally different universes, and like, no,
0: it's true, it's
1: so funny because you just forget.
0: Well, I mean, Los Angeles is yeah, the land area is massive, but you know, I've lived here 35 years, and. I've only, li- yeah, I've only lived in LA County my whole life, but I've lived yeah. in different areas. So I was yeah. in the West Side for six years, Mid City for four or five years, the Valley for you know X amount of years, and it's like you could ostensibly just keep living in different areas and yeah. have completely different experiences, like their cities. And I think Burning Man for a lot of people has that same kind of feeling where it's like you'll talk to people that are there for music experiences. or are people yeah. there for just the art, for just some of the community building stuff. Yeah. For some of the uh, more. Uh, <laughs> party
1: <laughs> uh, party fun things. Interesting uh,
0: <laughs> interpersonal things. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it is for me, I've definitely had some of those people who sing the praises, the religious yes. experience of Burning Man to me yes. saying like, Chad you will love this. Like, you need to go. <laughs> and I totally hear them out. Like, I understand. I, I I don't doubt that I would probably enjoy it. Yeah. But I think maybe that I've been maybe caught up too much in some of the external chatter about what it is. For sure. Too much so that I almost can't separate myself from my bias now about, like, I'm not going to pay that much to go to this thing. Or, like, totally. I don't want to go there unless I'm glamping, really. I mean, because, like, I yeah. don't really want to rough it. Yeah, I wouldn't camp at Coachella.
1: Exactly, I I mean, I'm the same kind of person. Like I would not, I love it for the experience that I, the experiences that I've had there, but I agree, like you you have to know yourself well (laughs) enough to go and have a good time, which I think is the problem. Sometimes people get, like you said, caught up in, you know, the videos that they've seen or other people being like, you're gonna have the best time ever. And then they just do zero preparation and they just go and they have a terrible time because it's not a music festival, which is really funny. That's actually been some of the best post Burning Man conversations that I've seen come out so far is people realizing that Burning Man is not a music festival. <laughs> right. And being right. like, wait, so why do people go? And just being right. like, What? So it's did, true. No, but it's been well
0: documented why people go. I mean, I yeah. knew about this way back in the twenty in like the twenty the two thousands, you know, yeah. there was documentaries that have existed forever about the sole purpose and ethos of Burning Man. Yeah. So I totally understand what the experience would be for me. It would probably be less music than anything. If anything, it would be me, you know, like a lot of people finding themselves. Yeah. But my whole thing is that when you go into an experience trying to find yourself, you're already kind of like in in a tricky situation, right? right? Because you're already setting this expectation that you have to, the outcome has to be some realization or discovery. Mm. Whereas I feel like when you go into situations not expecting anything and you just jump into something head on, you'll usually come away with more of that self-realization after the fact because it wasn't, you're not looking for something, you know? And I think that that's, especially when you do psychedelic drugs and you go into experience like, I'm gonna like have this yeah. thing. That's usually when you have a bad trip. Yeah, you know? no, like, that's
1: such a good way to put it. Cause I feel like, I feel like it's taken me a while to even realize that element of it fully. Cause I think I went into it knowing that like I'm not the kind of person where I'm gonna come out being like, oh, I've realized all these things about me and all that stuff. But what I have realized is kind of the universal truth about Burning Man is that it is a wonderful place where. The best way to describe it is like it's a place where human creativity just explodes like in every direction, which is great because it's like you can play as an adult in ways that you can't in the default world or the (laughs) normal world or whatever. But I think that's great because it's like you can figure out what that means to you, like whether it's partying, whether it's chasing after music, whether it's looking at art or getting involved in certain camps and like actually building stuff like that actually makes people Like, that's, like, something people like to do, whereas other people are like, I would literally never do that. Yeah. And you can kind of find what works for you. And I feel like that's, like, a... I read an article about it, actually, recently, where, like, the adult life lacks, like, childhood versions of play, which is, like, such an essential piece of, like, making new friends and making lifelong memories and all that stuff. So I actually feel like that's a part that I think you can't really argue that like Burning Man does have that kind of special ability. Where like people like us who work in like the music world and attend music festivals all the time, like we get a little element of that where we get to like have a good time and play with our work. But you have to remember that like a lot of people out there don't have that normally. So to have something like that, to be able to just be like full inhibited play and imagination is really great.
0: No, I think I think that's true. And I think our generation or you know, I mean our, our parents to some degree, especially if they were in the hippie movement or counterculture, mm. they had a lot of play. Yeah. And like they had a lot of like that duality between, you know, oh it's crazy. This is crazy or like whatever. And then they went into the workforce. You know? Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of us um maybe were just only geared to succeed, you know, had to go to college, had and then
1: yeah.
0: some people either had kids early or whatever, but they didn't get that chance to really play. Yeah. So, like, you know, Burning Man does offer that experience. But I do also feel like, because a lot of people, um, millennials and and such, like, were, we kind of grew up in this bubble. Mm. There's been, like, this extended adolescence in our culture, you know, with, like, yeah. Marvel movies appealing to the parents more than the kids. Or, like, you know, any yeah. sort of children's entertainment also is supposed to appeal. You know, like, I go to Disneyland now. I'm not interested I used to love Disneyland. I'm not really interested in it anymore because mm. when you go to Disneyland, same thing like Burning Man. It's like a lot of people are using this as like their extended childhood where they can play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's totally great, but it, there's like a bit of this the the need for escapism that like I don't feel at all, you know, anymore. Mm. Um so maybe that's why Burning Man wouldn't appeal to me necessarily <laughs> right now. Maybe that that'll be different in 5 years or, yeah. or something, but Yeah. You know, it 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 comes in different waves. Like there was like a time where I got really interested in things like amusement parks, but then yeah. I was like, why? I now I'm in like a phase of my life where I'm very not, I'm trying to be anti nostalgic. Because I think that I think nostalgia is a, is uh um, crutch. I think it's a disease of the mind. Whoa. Uh, well, the, the, deep that takes, deep that's takes. actually kind of like nostalgia <laughs> was considered uh, in like the late um 19th century, early 20th century, nostalgia was considered a bit of like um a delusion, you know, mm. like a, a like a disease of the mind because yeah. you were like misremembering the past and wanting to live in the past, you know? Right. And well, there's 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 plenty of things about this. And and I'm not saying that Burning Man is overly nostalgic, but I think you see it imbued in our music festivals, our entertainment and everything where it's like, you know, you're trying to chase this feeling that mm. doesn't necessarily It's more of an injection of your own emotional misremembering of the past into the now. So it's like, you know, like I used to love Star Wars, but most of the recent Star Wars content is not good. So it's like, I don't like Star Wars anymore. Like I'm allowed to like judge Star Wars off of like the things that I'm presented with now. Not just like I liked it when I was a child. So it's like completely absolved of any criticism, you know? Yeah. And so when you see people who like to go to experiences and escape, I think it has way more to do with, like, back to this this play, this child feeling that you're talking about. You yeah, know?
1: I mean, there's definitely that, and I will say, to, to cap off this Burning yeah, Man yeah. conversation of, like, you know, we didn't even talk about the fact that I also...
0: Well, let's go back to Burning <laughs> I, Man. Let's, no, yeah, let's...
1: and I mean, I was just gonna say, because I, I walked out of Burning Man, and it was this whole thing, because it was honestly hilarious to those of us that were going through it. Like, the mud was so crazy that some of us literally... Put on plastic bags over our shoes to like walk a couple miles out and to then see the conversation that was happening around it where like things were just so negative and people were so excited to be negative about that. And I think that relates to the Ease Youth stuff because we're going to talk a little bit about what happened there as well. But anyone who's familiar with <laughs> the festival space will know that it also didn't go well. For, you know, many reasons on that side of things. But I feel like there's just this, like, there's a really weird energy, I feel like, around these moments where maybe it's, like, the expectation, right, of, like, what we are talking about before. That you, like, go into it expecting that it's going to be so amazing and, like, you pay all this money when, like, some other people can't pay that much money to, like, have this experience. So then when it doesn't go well, the wider public is, like, so happy to celebrate its downfall.
0: Yes. Yes. that's like
1: a really weird thing that I've noticed, and it's it's well, even, very strange. Even
0: and, and the, the, so this is kind of like the 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 weaponizing of nostalgia too, though. Mm. Which is like, there's a lot of like old school burners who are yep. like, "I'm so glad I, I don't go anymore." Yeah, because like it it's peaked not the in same. 2015. Yeah. And the, this is kind of like where it gets dangerous. Which is like, no, it's. It could be just as fun now, just because there's right. influencers.
1: Like what you were saying, like you couldn't, you can love what you have experienced and recognize that it's special. Like you loved Star Wars back in the day and it'll always be special to you. But like maybe the new stuff isn't for you, but that's okay. Cause maybe it is for someone else. Yeah. And it probably isn't as good, but it's who okay. knows? Maybe my
0: kids will like it. They'll view it through a different lens. Maybe your kids will exactly. love Burning Man in a totally different context and you love it, you know? Right.
1: And it's never going to be the same. But I think it's it's very odd. Like I feel like people are so happy to celebrate, like the downfall of others. Okay, well, so I I
0: I got something on this. (laughs) Okay, so this isn't a very I I don't know if it if this applies to other countries or societies, but America, we love a rise and fall story. I mean, that is that's true. That is ultimately what we love to celebrate. Pull yourself and we, up by
1: your bootstrap story. We, exactly. And then the opposite as well. Well, we love
0: building <laughs> people or figures or institutions up, mm-hmm. tearing them down, and then building them up again. That's um, true. So, you know, in, individuals or public figures. Tiger Woods is a great example. Britney Spears. Yep. Or Britney yeah. Spears. Yeah. Um, But in right now, very topical, yeah, Fest. <laughs> so Firefest, I think I think Firefest is the reason why this past weekend was amplified so much. Yeah. Because
1: love there were around. multiple
0: documentaries about Firefest, right? So Too people many. are profiting off of the I hope this fails thing. Mm-hmm. So you see Firefest as a label the same way that someone would be like, sell out or any like label that goes around, you know, mm-hmm. so like, oh, Firefest, this is Firefest yes. happening again. People it's like, love
1: throwing that around.
0: Right. So, yeah. uh, Billy McFarlane, is that his name? The that guy? That's his name. He, he's trying to get an ultimate sec-
1: scammer. He's
0: bringing back Firefest. And yeah. I think that there's genuine optimism from some people about, which is just. Strange. You got to imagine the brand is so strong just because of how much it's been. You know? I
1: know. And so that's the curious thing for me is when I saw that, because I remember seeing the initial news that he was, you know, he made a video promoting it, that he was putting tickets back on sale. And people were like laughing at the, the fact that he was trying to sell tickets to this event again. And then a couple of days later, it turned out his like first tier or whatever it was sold out. And so you said that, you know, people are optimistic about the brand. And I actually wonder, like, do you think that's what it is? Or do you think it's that people are so invested in being part of something? You know what I mean? Like, they want to be there when the Firefest happens so they can have the viral sandwich photo moment. Or they can see what crazy stuff goes down and post the video of it. You know what I mean? Like, I Absolutely. almost feel like that's what it is. Well, right?
0: it, it's like, it's like a bad reboot, right? Yeah. Like, um, A good example is like Arrested Development. It, sorry, I'm, this is not a crazy tangent, I promise. <laughs> the TV show Arrested Development was on Fox for like these years. It was like a cult hit. Yeah. But usually on DVD. It got canceled and then everyone was like, oh, this is the greatest show ever. Yeah. And there's all this momentum. And then Netflix rebooted it for like, it's like fourth season all these years later. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that first season when it came back and being like, they're aware that they're like culturally relevant now. Mm, so it will like never be aware. as good as it was when they didn't know that they were creating something amazing. Totally. So yeah. Firefest in a very opposite way was like it was such a disaster mm-hmm. that like anything that is going to be borderline disastrous at this next one is just going to be blown out of proportion because people are expecting it, you know. Yeah.
1: So Which, I think it and yes. everything
0: is going to be too on the nose because like we're at Firefest. Right. I bet they would even serve that freaking like Cheese slice sandwich as a joke, and people will be like, totally. "Oh, dude, they totally get it. Oh like they're so my God. on." You are so
1: right. It's just gonna become like a internet troll meme den, yeah. Basically,
0: well, this is because we're living in an age that's meta modern. So like, it's meta modernism. It's like everything has to be self-aware yeah. fourth wall breaking like everyone is talking to an audience you know
1: right and everyone knows that people attending are talking to many different audiences yes. online so there's something they're feeding them something as yes. well
0: so it's whoa it's hard to have Hot genuine things. experiences anymore i mean i think that the first fire fest is probably like one of the most genuine experiences anyone could have ever had well
1: yeah i mean when you say that too because then i start to think about this question of like why are people so excited about things going wrong. Like, I think about the Electric Zoo stuff that we started talking about. And I do feel like there is a genuine, like, when you see the TikTok videos and people posting the updates on Twitter, of course they're upset. And maybe in the moment they're like, frustrated that they're waiting in line for all this time but there is like an excitement to be the person to post the video to be mm-hmm. like oh this is what the stage looks like like here's people bum rushing the gate like it's crazy and I wonder if that's because it it is that genuine experience of something going wrong
0: <laughs> people
1: <laughs> wow
0: people yeah you're, you're, <laughs> I'm having realizations like, over here <laughs> yeah uh, i am well yeah I mean there was Journalism is in such a weird place now because, oh my like, God, yeah, I you'll... just tweeted about this. Really,
1: I just said that we're in the sunken place of media mediocracy.
0: Yeah, like I was yeah. reading some article that was in like a. I don't want to. I don't want to miss quote the or I don't want to miscredit the publication, but it was it was legit like, mm. legit journalism, like one of the Times or something, and yeah, the writer was like talking about how. I don't know, it's just so editorialized. It's so from a first-person perspective. Like, yeah, she was talking about how like, oh, and like on a Sunday, I just wanna stay at home and watch my Netflix and post it. So I'm like, what am I reading? Like, like this is a is blog, this? this is a blog post. Well, that's from, what I
1: mean. And I you know? feel like now when I think about media, I mean, I'm not gonna name any names, but there are big people going viral for very medi- mediocre to bad content that they're doing and then it's like the other the other side i feel like all i see is just like this insane obsession with like celebrity fandom stan culture and i'm like in the end none of these people know what they're talking about like it's just people projecting their thoughts and opinions onto famous people and that's like all that we have nowadays for some reason so yeah yeah so then that's why i guess going back to your point about genuine feelings of these like events like maybe that's what it is they feel like they're seeing something real and they get to be the journalist who's like posting about it but
0: yeah I mean because it it's you know it's hard because like moments are so manufactured you know like yeah. um uh, anytime that someone performs at the Super Bowl it's like the bar is so high you know no one is, it's never going to be unanimously positive um, yeah. only occasionally but like Like Shakira and J J Lo was like this amazing Super Bowl. I don't think a lot of people were expecting it to be that good. Yeah. But then there was this whole other contrarian thing about how you know it's always going to be if something's really popular, there's always going to be something that is like equally against it. You know. Yeah. And that was a shift a peak for sure. Exactly. Yeah. That was a shift that kind of happened in like the mid two thousands. You know. -hmm. It used to be that celebrities were like kind of almost like universally beloved, Mm -hmm. but then with the with reality shows and like and now where we are with social media, it's almost more popular to have a negative opinion on on public figures or things like Burning Man or things like because it's just like it goes against the grain, you know, and like having that kind of stance, it actually gives you more character. And I feel like people
1: have the opportunity to have a voice when they maybe previously didn't. Right? It's like celebrities used to just be the only famous people because whatever they said went but then it's like when you can speak and say something contra- controversial about them or negative about them and then people start to listen to you yeah then you kind of have this like interesting power but well
0: i mean i you know i i the thing about electric zoo like if we'll we'll kind of like move to that conversation yeah. is that i saw
1: <laughs> so much to talk about i know
0: it's crazy um you know like in a very different way I think that now music festivals have become so commonplace yeah. that the consumer, rightly so, because they're spending so much money, and you gotta imagine that some people save up for months to just get the flights, mm-hmm. the hotels.
1: That's their big night out.
0: They get the, yeah, the and you know, let's just say going to Coachella alone, mm-hmm. like it's several thousand dollars for a weekend. Yeah. Like if you're gonna get a hotel, you're gonna get the tickets flying from somewhere yep Mm -hmm. any of the additional things you need you're gonna spend a couple thousand dollars you know Mm -hmm. and and uh so i do understand like why going to some of these festivals the outside person who's not in that sort of uh privilege Mm -hmm. bubble or or whatever they're not included in that experience yeah they're immediately gonna i mean some most people will have like you know like a perception of the kind of person that would go to that or like Mm -hmm. you know so you see a lot of that um but you know i do think the people that do go to these music festivals and have gone to enough of them have been conditioned by enough great experiences if they've gone to a coachella or an edc or some of these like really you know well-produced festivals Mm -hmm. And they expect that at every other one that they go to, you know.
1: Right, because I think what you're saying, I think that's actually what we forget, and I say collective we, both us in the music industry, but then also people on the internet who are the ones observing the people that are posting about attending these events. Is that like, I feel like so much of our brain space gets occupied by the influencers and the people that know how to make professional content and really show, like, this is how I do music festivals. And it's, like, obviously the most lavish version of attending a music festival you've ever seen. But the majority of people are just hardworking people, like you just explained. Like, it's their one big thing for summer. They've gathered all their friends together for it. They've all saved up, gotten the time off. And then they've, you know hoped to have this incredible experience and yeah so it's like I don't know it's really interesting that we forget that that's the majority yeah and people. I mean and
0: and and and, you know we've been to Coachella a lot so you and I can speak on this with a lot of experience yeah I've gone 14 years in a row so it's like I think <laughs> I, I can weigh in on this yeah it is an extremely well-run festival it is yeah. like in that regard it's incredible what they do every year yeah like every year they include more operational and sort of quality of life things like when they had those bathrooms added that one year i was like bro they're on another level like that's incredible yeah you know and just flow is usually pretty good now that's there's what some I was exceptions gonna say, yeah. yeah
1: i was going to say like even the the science behind who they put certain artists against to split the crowd so that there's not like a crowd crush or like there's too many people because that's obviously a terrible experience as an attendee as well. Like that's kind of the best kind of version of an event is when you don't even think about for a second, the amount of logistics that go into the experience and you're just like, "Mm, that was such a great time.
0: Exactly. And, And so I can imagine if a consumer like, you know, goes to Coachella and they spend, let's just say face value on the ticket, you know, almost the same amount of money that they would for a weekend at another festival, mm-hmm. three-day festival, you're going to compare yeah. the value of what you got and the experience to any other festival that has to charge that much. But for yeah. other festivals to compete with the bigger festivals, they have to charge that much to offer the same lineup, the same production level, the yep. same amount of amenities. And, you know, it. I I can see it from both sides. I can see it from the person who spends her hard-earned money for these experiences, but I can also see it as someone who works in event production, mm-hmm. the difficulty in, like, all the little details being right and all the moving parts that you have to get perfect for the front-facing people that, you know, the people who are the thousands of people that are coming, and then yeah. also the artists who you're taking care of and right. making sure all the things, like, from backline all the way to hospitality is perfect. So mm-hmm. I do have, like, I do have, um, you know, empathy for, for both people in both, both sides of it yeah. in, the, in the all sides of it in the electric zoo situation yeah um, let's, but, well let's
1: talk about electric zoo yeah and again if you aren't caught up on the news one i'd like to live wherever you're living yeah, <laughs> very please. little internet service but um yeah electric zoo which happened over this past labor day weekend in new york and i should say that electric zoo is not by no means a new festival they've been doing it for quite a few years now i don't know the number off the top of my head quite but, a while
0: yeah, yeah. uh God, I want to say it's like, I, I could look that up. I think, I believe it was like their 10th year last year. Or yeah, I mean, we're we we're
1: zeroing this. in for sure on a milestone close to 10 years, I would I, say. I, let me
0: look this up right now.
1: Yeah, you look it up. But basically, Electric Zoo happened this weekend. It's a three-day, mainly electronic music festival. Mm. And I think literally from day one, it was off, off the tracks. I think day one obviously people have traveled from far they're they're preparing they've got all their outfits on they're ready to go and apparently it was like two or three hours before the doors were meant to open yeah they ended up canceling the whole first day
0: yeah which oh is, it's, sorry it's 2009 was it? so it's been a while around okay. for a while but there's yeah. a couple years off anyway continue. okay yeah yeah.
1: a couple years off in the middle but yeah so this festival has been around for a while and so first day couple hours notice the whole first day is canceled and obviously that's bad like it's not even delaying the doors and like making people wait maybe they miss a couple sets it's like the whole first day is canceled mm-hmm. and the interesting thing was that the the notices that they sent out officially stated that there were supply chain issues that caused the first day to be canceled which mm-hmm. i think anyone reading the that immediately is kind of like okay supply chain issue is an excuse that we heard a lot of during the pandemic covid times and especially first emerging out of covid pandemics for like pandemic for the first few events and we're a little far away from that now so that excuse felt really strange and also for anyone who's worked in production or any sort of event coordinating of any sort would know that if there was actually a supply chain issue you would have known at least 12 to 24 hours before not a couple hours before you're meant to open doors so it just immediately felt off totally and then day two did open eventually yeah but what happened day two? It was a capacity issue, right? uh, Day
0: two, um, from what I saw, there was just like a lot of, um, there was a lot of long wait times for yeah. like will call and things like right. that. Obviously, because-
1: Day one didn't happen. Uh, yeah,
0: I can imagine that there were some credentials that hadn't been collected, mm-hmm. you know, earlier on.
1: Yeah, and a larger influx of people, but then the wait times that were coming out were like, I wanna say like four hours, five hours, which, Again, if you're spending all this money as an attendee, you spent a lot of money for your three days, which has already been shortened to two days, and then you're missing three to four hours of sets. Yeah. You're already going to be pissed as yeah. an attendee.
0: Yeah. And then Sunday, obviously, it was a capacity issue. Um, yeah. At 5, 6 p.m., they announced a statement that they hit capacity.
1: Yeah. They hit capacity by 5 p.m., which is very early on in the day, and we're no longer able to allow attendees in. And if you can imagine if you've ever been to a festival, like the doors might open around, you know, 2 p.m., 3 p.m. or something, but a lot of people don't start showing up until the evening hours for like the bigger sets towards the end. And not only that, there was a viral video of people who had been waiting in those really long wait times for so long, getting so frustrated that they couldn't get in that they ended up just bum rushing the security gate and just yeah. jumping over security um checkpoints and going into the festival, which is not only scary if you're in the line and in the rush trying to get in, but also scary as an attendee when you're like, oh no, people are not getting checked for security and just running into this event. I
0: but, watched a lot yeah. of the New York n- local news coverage of this and, yeah. I mean, you know, it they were reporting it. It, d- it did feel like when you go into, when you see people reporting on something and like their face and the way that they already have this like opinion of it before they're even reporting on it. Yeah. So of course, yeah, it was like a harrowing experience and really disappointing for some people. I will say that like, we love sensationalizing things and you could tell that like, you know, reasonably so. There's been a lot of instances of, like, crowd crush and really horrific things that have happened in the last yeah. few years with concerts. So I can understand, like, the public safety safety issue. Um, Just the so many things that need to be, you know, addressed in that regard. But then also, like, you're saying, again, from the local news, like, they wanted this thing to fail. Like, there's no question that the story was this thing is a disaster. Yeah. And so I think it's hard to, like, Parse through, you know, experiences from people behind the scenes, the fans. Mm. I read a like uh, a Reddit recap from like all these people who were at Sunday at Izu. Mm-hmm. It was mostly positive. People were like, "Yo, yeah, it was pretty packed, but dude, it was freaking awesome." <laughs> and I think that a lot of it really comes down to, comes down to the music. You know, if people really yeah. liked the music and they had like, you know, they had their like decent um you know space or whatever yeah um I don't know it's it's really interesting like I think that I think that there's a lot of people that want these things to to not go over well and so you know I I do understand like a lot of the issues that they faced and I'm sure a lot of them were probably brought on to themselves I mean we don't know but It does feel like once the ball starts rolling on that narrative, it's hard to, like, stop the momentum. And then everyone's checking in on day two. Oh, did it happen? Like, is this – and then day three that, you know, maybe it was only a couple hundred people that rushed. But then people are like, dude, thousands of people rushed in. Mm. So it's, like, hard to, like, you know, really identify what happened. I'm sure all in all they would like to have a do-over on the whole thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it will be interesting to see if they get that opportunity because – We'll see. It's hard. I know that apparently New York City is looking to take action against them for, you know, how it all kind of panned out. But I will say I I totally hear you on on seeing both sides. I think it's always upsetting, I think, for everyone involved, for attendees especially who have paid their money and hopefully will get some money back for an experience that they didn't get. But it's like and you spend your hard-earned like vacation days and your money, and then you end up having a terrible weekend. Like that sucks. Nobody wants that.
0: Totally. And yeah. the, I think the other thing is that, you know, we always have like the customers always right mentality. I think when you work in events and and mm-hmm. entertainment, like we did this show uh, Rattleship on on that aircraft carrier in the Bay Area. Yeah. And like that was a huge undertaking. It was a three thousand person you know, per day, two-day thing on an aircraft carrier. It hadn't been done before. So there's a lot of things that we're not going to get right day one. Now, there were some posts on social media where people voiced their displeasure. And you have to, as the event producer, really take a step back and, like, not get your feelings and your ego into it and just be like, is there some truth to what this person is saying? Albeit, they're saying it pretty loud and very, like, (laughs) you know. Aggressively. Yeah. Because it's, like, ultimately the show... You got what you paid for, but there are some aspects of it that are lacking in comparison to other experiences or to yeah. expectation level that may have been advertised, or safety, or whatever. So what we did is we evaluated this feedback that we got from several people on our social media, and we mm-hmm. implemented it into day two. And that's the best you can do, you know? Yeah, which and- I
1: think that's a it sounds like a, you know a responsible approach to being event organizers and. We also responded
0: publicly to the people. Totally. And I think that's
1: important, too, is you have to acknowledge, especially, you know, it's easy enough to spot when it's just one rogue person who's like, it's like when someone leaves like one bad Yelp review on a restaurant that has really good reviews and they're like, the person didn't answer the phone when I called. And you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to take this review very seriously. But but it's like if people are collectively saying something was not okay or could be improved, like the good thing to do is to just acknowledge it not to lie you know i think that's a big key that i think totally rubbed people the wrong way with totally. this whole easy w- instant where the first day literally was i don't know if it's something legal with insurance or whatever there's always stuff stuff like complicated like that in the back end going on but it's like you can't lie to people and tell them that like something happened when it very obviously did not you absolutely have to take responsibility for it well you know what i will
0: say it. Yeah, and and what I will say to that is that, you know, we've been facing, a as event producers, an incredible uphill battle. Yeah. It, you know, since we've come back from... Um,
1: pandemic times. The pandemic.
0: And a lot of it was artist fees have gone up. Mm-hmm. They've stayed the same. They've not gone down. Production has gone up. Mm-hmm. Staffing has been incredibly difficult to do. People just, you know, especially from... The, um, as, as soon as things came back from lockdown, you would hire people and just, some people just wouldn't show up, you know, and it's just crazy. Yeah. And so you almost have to overpay just to get people to show up. Mm -hmm. And so there's just like a lot of things with labor, with production and permitting that just like, I think that, you know, you just, you have to just get that stuff down because that is what makes the show happen. But yeah. it is so incredibly difficult. Like the targets are constantly moving and the goalposts yeah. are always changing. And I think for event producers to produce something that is on par with the experience that other people expect having gone to some of the Live Nation produced the yeah. festivals or, you know, some of the bigger things. It's like it's really hard.
1: Especially at scale when it's very big. Lots of yeah. people.
0: And you yeah. have to you have to like go bigger to make more to actually make money, you know. And yeah. so it it's a very interesting it's a very interesting time for music festivals. I think a lot of people thought the bubble had burst on music festivals, but like mm-hmm. we're seeing like you know, since last year we're seeing incredible amount of demand. So much so they couldn't even let people in on Sunday at Izu <laughs> um for music festivals. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the American music festival landscape changes in mm. in like, you know, with all of these things in mind. Um because yeah. you know If you have a customer is always right mentality, then there's a lot of practices and things that need to change, you know, because people, it seems like a lot of people in general have distaste with the way that a lot of music festivals are run. Like, you know, the consumer is pretty smart now. Like music festivals have been a thing for a while. Yes. So, you know, you'll be at something and someone will be like, like. The way that VIP is the ingress, egress is this and like the line for the bathroom here and I didn't have enough water stations for this. And those are the things people are talking about.
1: Yes. They're not talking
0: about if the music was good or not as much, you know?
1: Yeah. No, I think that's a really important perspective because that's something that I've, you know, as someone who has not been on the event producing side, mainly a consumer of like attending these shows. It is hard to remember how many different elements go into putting on a show like just even one local show, much less a huge music festival where attendees are coming from all over the world or something like that. So I think it's an interesting time because it's going to be interesting to see, one, how this kind of Izu saga continues to unfold. It's very much still ongoing and we'll see next year how things continue. But it's also important to remember, I guess, as a attendee when you're spending your money. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but that doesn't mean that, you know, if you're having, if you notice something that it was worth shouting about and addressing, like it is worth to say that. And I don't know. I guess our standard is going up a little bit for these kind of events, but it's it's also very challenging at the same time. But
0: And don't worry, there's gonna be plenty of people sitting on the sideline waiting to dunk on you <laughs> if it doesn't go right.
1: Basically what we're saying is don't get into the event producing business unless you have thick skin and you really love what you I do. I know. I know, <laughs> you
0: gotta really be able to I mean, one of these comments can, you know, for me, sometimes it could just really ruin your day, you know, but it's.
1: Oh, no, I, don't ruin Chad's day. Don't yeah. ever be mean oh. to Chad or Brownies and Love uh. <laughs> or any event producers. Cause there's a Chad on the Thank other you. side.
0: Thank you. Being this, sad. We're real people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting seeing um, music festivals and festivals being, one thing I didn't like is like, you know, you I, I was on Reddit a lot, but like you yeah, go into the tell- Coachella Reddit, <laughs> And then the people in the Coachella red are like, aren't you guys so glad that Coachella is not run like this? And it's just like, dude, c- come on. Like, I know. You know? And, and like, what don't you, get me like, wrong. What are you even l- saying? I love me some Coachella, but like, this has nothing to do with y'all. <laughs> like,
1: No. And it's honestly, you know? and that's the other thing is I think, you know, you're saying something like Electric Zoo happening does affect the American music festival scene like as a whole. And I feel like that's something that we don't think about or don't like communicate effectively as like a community on this side because like i feel like in the uk and maybe just because it's a by nature it's smaller so it just feels like you're like all together in it but like when one major music festival in the u.s doesn't do well that doesn't bode well for everyone else and that means like if you know knock on wood if izu doesn't come back then we've lost a major festival offering it's the same if the
0: guys all the ships go up too but it's, it you know, it's not good when some, it shakes consumer confidence, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, if people don't feel like music festivals are going to be run the right way, yes. or there's a succession not of... Not
1: trustworthy with where they're putting their money, yeah. Totally. Yeah.
0: I mean, there, there was a lot of, like, conversation about, obviously, World was, like, this in, insane tragedy. Yeah. But then there was other, like, sort of, other mini crowd-crush situations that happened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it happened because an artist like Fred again, or... John summit was booked really early Mm. at some of these music festivals Mm -hmm. and the demand of people with crowd flow couldn't, the stage couldn't accommodate that many people wanting to see that artist on a smaller stage that they weren't ready for. But people were like, why didn't they put Fred again on this stage? It's like, because this was booked 10 months ago and they could Mm -hmm. not predict that this artist would be this big, you know? So it's like, really, I can, it's so difficult because I could see it from the the side of the person who's booking that thing, trying to make it work. But then you see it from the side of the person who's there and like, how do they know any better of like how any of that stuff works, you know? So, you know, (sighs) we want the music festivals to succeed because that means that you're going to get more of them and better ones, you know, and everyone is going to be better because of it. But yeah, you know, if you love music, I think that you feel the same way. But I think there's a lot of people that f- they just they just don't like that part of America, you know, like about the American mm. nature is that you know, there's mm. yeah.
1: <laughs> you're like, wait, let me let me not say what I'm. About to
0: say. I was like looking at you because it looked like you're about to fire something off. So no,
1: I no, like... I think I mean I don't even know what our final thought is here, but I think it's just, well, just... an interesting. Interesting time to look at all the crazy shit that happened recently and yeah. think about what that means for us moving forward.
0: Well, what I think it means is that uh Firefest tier two <laughs> is still available. So if you really want to shake things Sponsored up.
1: Sponsored by Firefest. <laughs>
0: if you really want to shake things up. Uh but yeah, I mean it it was I I see a lot of promise for where music festivals are going, but it's hard not to think that we've like seen it at its best Ooh. you know
1: well i think what comes up must always come down and i do actually interestingly enough after this conversation especially and just thinking about you know my own experience at burning man and seeing all this stuff go down i feel like we are for many different reasons entering a downward slump and i don't think that means that like things are all going to be bad by any means i think we're going to have amazing events and beautiful like artist breakthroughs and moments and stuff like that. Like, we'll always have those, but I do think that there's been a lot of challenges. There's a lot of people interested in music culture and festival culture right now. And we're just kind of weather the storm a little bit. It's going to be a yeah. little bumpy, I think, and we're going to have a lot of learning lessons, but...
0: I think some great things are going to come out of it, too. I think yeah. we're going to see a return of more boutique festivals, of, like, yeah. smaller one-day experiences. New ones maybe. New ones. Which is always you know? exciting. Yeah. And I think even like some of the bigger players like uh Insomniac are doing some like cool things in that regard too. Yeah. Like and and I think that there's gonna be more experiences to be had for people that like don't want to go super hard three days mm-hmm. camping, cra- you know yeah. a little bit more palatable, a little bit more accessible. So Again, Val, I'm optimistic. I think we're going to weather I know. this thing.
1: I like I like that we're ending on a nice optimistic note. And I feel like, you know, I, I have a lot of empathy for folks, many, many hardworking folks, not only on the like being on putting on a deciding to put on a festival, but then also hiring the bajillions of people that have to like build a stage oh my and gosh. bring in the audio and totally vendors and sell you food and water and all those kind of things. Like, totally. It's just crazy. It's
0: hard to do a this... bar mitzvah. All right.
1: All <laughs> this crazy stuff. That it's we hard to, to
0: do a now. wedding.
1: <laughs> it's really hard.
0: Jose and I can attest to this. Yeah. It is hard to DJ a wedding. It is harder to DJ a wedding than DJ the <laughs> doolab at Coachella. Okay? okay. I could say that with <laughs> all right. certainty.
1: All right. We're not going, we're not gonna go down that tangent today. <laughs> we're uh, not gonna go down that
0: But way. thank you again for tuning in and uh, you know, more Chad Val stuff to come. Oh, Val Chad, sorry.
1: <clears throat> Val more Chad, Val, ch- Val first. I'm always last, so here I'm first. (laughs)
0: Uh, But thank you again uh, to Icon Collective Music Production School for having us. Jose on the ones and twos. Valerie, per usual.
1: It's me. Thank you, Yaten. Thank you, Icon.
0: We'll see you soon. Bye.